All right. Well, not like anybody's coming today, huh? Well, good morning. Oh Lord, how manifold are your wisdom. You have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions, Psalm 104. Just a reminder of all the things that we have going on here. Um, please make them useful for you. If you have a, want to read the Bible in a year, we have those schedules out in the lobby. And let's worship our God. So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in his glory had not been arrayed like one of these. Let's worship our God. Steve, you want to share with us? Praise him, praise him. Where does that hymn? originate from? Praise Him, Praise Him is another hymn written by Fanny Crosby in 1869 with uh, music composed by Chester G. Allen that same year. The words to this hymn relate to Psalm 150. Praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty heavens, praise Him for His acts of power, praise Him for His surpassing greatness. This, the last of the Psalms, concludes with, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, Praise the Lord. Let's remain seated as we sing together. Praise him, praise him. morning is bidding style. I'll read the line and you can search your heart to see how it pertains to your life. God, here are admissions and confessions to you. We admit there were times we were unforgiving. 
We confess the moments we envied others. Lord, we realize some of our motives weren't pure. We admit having said things we shouldn't have said. We confess the ways we may have said things that were pointed and hurtful. All these and all our other sins we committed, we bring to the cross for cleansing because of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our assurance of forgiveness this morning is from Romans 6, verses 22 and 23. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guidelines for living this morning comes from Philippians 2 verses 1 through 4. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Thank you, Scott. Uh, due to the temperature in the sanctuary, it's 60 degrees in here. We're going to shorten our service today. We're even out the praise choruses, but we're going to be singing our hymn for our offering. Steve, would you share the background, historical background on that? Like a River Glorious was written by Francis Havergal in 1874. The music was written two years later by James Mountain. The text for the hymn was based on Isaiah 48:18, which says... If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Verse 19 goes on to say, your descendants would have been like the sand, your children like its numberless grains. Your name would have never been cut off nor destroyed from before me. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the gifts that were given today. People who have given from their hearts because they know the ministry of the gospel here and their love for you, Christ. I pray that you'll continue to use these gifts for your furtherance of your kingdom and bless those who have given in Jesus' name. Amen.
bring to our pulpit uh, Pastor Philip Wood, who I called earlier this week uh, because I had the flu. <laughs> and uh, Thursday it hit me and Friday it still was with me and yesterday I felt a little bit better and today I feel very good. But um, I was grateful that he was able to be free enough to come and share the pulpit and take care of business here for us. <laughs> and so thank you very much, Philip. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. <clears throat> well, good morning. <laughs> and good morning. And I guess there is a, a bunch of people looking through the... The, uh, throughout, the United States. throughout the United States. Wow, I, that, that's wonderful. So let me get myself set up here and I'll be ready to go if I can get myself all figured out here. So, well, <clears throat> excuse me. It's a delight to be here, that's for sure. And uh, I'm Kind of go backwards on all my my uh, messages here. There we go. You have a counselor. That's the message today. And um, I was um, thinking about coming and filling in for Dave here today. And there was a pastor of a church who was sick one Sunday. Uh, so a preacher. I was called for a pulpit supply, and as a substitute preacher, he was greeting the congregation and said, you know, a substitute preacher is a bit like a piece of cardboard uh, in a broken window. He fills the space, but after all, he's not the real glass, so to speak. He then uh, proceeded with his sermon, and then there was a lady who came up after the sermon and uh, trying to offer a compliment says, you weren't a replacement after all. You were a real pain. So, <laughs> so, I hope I'm not that this morning, a real pain. So uh, my objective is to share with you a little bit from the Word of God, very specifically in John 14. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to take a look over there. We won't be reading the whole thing, but just taking a few of the verses out of there. And I want to talk to you specifically about the idea that you have a counselor available to you exactly the same way that Jesus was. He's just simply not in the flesh. He's a counselor who is invisible, but very real. He is, of course, the Holy Spirit. And uh, so... Uh, before we launch, I always like to ask the Lord to help us just to understand his word. Father, I thank you so much for the joy of being able to share the word of God. And Lord, we thank you for the folks that are here today and in this auditorium. But Lord, I thank you for all the folks that are listening uh, through the uh, video, Lord, and, and that you would touch our hearts today. Give us clear revelation and understanding of your word as I share these thoughts that I believe come from your heart in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, you have a counselor. I got a feeling everybody needs a counselor. I have been blessed over the years that I really haven't gone to a counselor and paid any money for them. I think largely it's because I've had some wonderful friends throughout my life that have really given me a lot of counsel. Some I ask for, some I don't. <laughs> <laughs> 
I get it anyway. But I've been blessed to get it. Uh, and I thank God. Now, just a little background on the situation that sets us up for John 14. Uh, Jesus entered Jerusalem for the last time. They had this big celebration known as, we celebrate it as Palm Sunday. And, uh, well, when he came in and celebrated as the Messiah and the one that was coming riding on a donkey, it was a beautiful, a wonderful celebration. He then prepared his Passover with the disciples. And uh, he began by washing their feet. We see that in John 13. Peter, of course, reacted to it originally. said, no, you won't wash my feet because only servants do that. <laughs> I don't want to have you be my servant. He says, no, I will wash your feet. And he washed Peter's feet as everyone. And, um, and then uh, Judas was preparing to go and betray Jesus. It's interesting to me in John 13, it talks about the fact the devil put it in Judas's heart to betray Jesus. And then when Jesus finally gives him a little piece of food, after saying, someone's going to betray me, one of you's going to betray me, he handed him the, the food, sort of little bread in uh, wine, handed it to him. And at that moment, the Bible says the devil then entered into Judas, which is kind of a challenging thought, that here's someone who's followed Jesus all these years, three years at least, perhaps, and the devil was able to get in and cause him to literally betray the Son of God. So we have then in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus, after the supper, sat down and says, I want to explain some things to you. First of all, I'm going to be leaving, and I want to talk about what's going to happen after I leave. He goes on, he says, in, uh, throughout this chapter, he says, I know that sorrow has filled your heart, but know this, it's to your advantage that I go away, because if I do not go, the helper will not come to you. Now, the word helper is used in my translation, but we're going to refer to what is known as the counselor. And that's a translation that's used in the NIV and the ESV. And, uh, and so we begin with John 14, and the first verse says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. And it goes on and says, Believe in God, believe also in me. The word troubled means to be stirred up or agitated, like on a windy lake. Frustrated, angry, concerned, anxious. A lot of people in that category. When we're in that category, most often today, we end up needing a counselor. They're wise to go and get counsel. A lot of people, friends. And I am, by the way, just want to say I'm certainly not opposed to counselors. I think counselors are very, very wonderful people to have access to as well as doctors and so forth. But the interesting thing is, we do get troubled, but there is a counselor that has been made available to us. His name is the Holy Spirit. So, is it a possibility that, whether it's us in this room or those listening, that you have trouble in your heart? Your hearts are troubled. You're concerned about something. Let's talk about this idea of the counselor. This particular word, parakletos, simply can be translated in the King James Version. It's actually translated comforter. Uh, the English Standard Version and the New American Standard, it's translated helper. In the Message Bible, it is called friend. Jesus said, I'm going to send you another friend. In the New Living Translation, he says, I'm going to send you an advocate. 
in the Revised Standard Version in the NIV, as I said. This is where the word counselor is used. I'm going to share uh, John 14, verse 16. It says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, and I'm going to use the word counselor, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides in you, with you and will be in you. So let's take a bit of a deep dive into those verses. The actual word parakaleo come, is the verb. It simply means, para means alongside, and kaleo means called. And so it's someone who's called alongside to help. I like to think of that as very much a, an image of marriage, you know, where uh, the wife is called or comes called alongside to help. And that's what a wife is, a helpmeet. In many ways, in a very spiritual sense, the counselor that Jesus says, I want to leave with you when I go, will be, well, I'd say in many ways, as wonderful as a wife is, I will be even greater. This relationship will be very, very intimate. Someone who's called alongside to help. Now, the word parakalitos could also refer to an attorney, someone who is an advocate, who is able to plead your case before a judge. But in the widest sense of the term, it's someone who comes alongside to help you in the things that God has called you to do. It's a term that Jesus used to describe his Holy Spirit. Uh, basically, he said, this is my replacement. It'd be wonderful, wouldn't it, to be there with Jesus <laughs> when he walked around and laid his hands on the sick and raised the dead. And I mean, it'd just be a wonderful experience. He said, and he said something I think quite fascinating and and never ceases to amaze me, in uh, chapter 16, verse 5, he says this, he says, look, I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, and this is understandable, sorrow has filled your heart. That's sad. But he goes on, verse 7, but I tell you, now listen carefully, I'm going to tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Now, it's hard to imagine that it's a, in a more advantageable or better situation that he go and the Holy Spirit come. But it's really in saying this way, that Jesus will be with every one of us at the same time. Better than actually a human being next to you, you're having a person who lives really right within you with all the same capabilities of Jesus himself residing inside of you. It's sort of a fascinating relationship. Jesus said, I want you to understand that the Father is in me and I'm in him. And if you don't get it, at least observe all the miracles that I'm doing. And the only way I can do that is because the Father is inside of me. And I believe in the same way, Jesus, when he comes with his spirit and lives inside of us, the very things that Jesus did we can do also. John 14 verse 12 says, He who believes in me, the works that I did, he will also do. And greater works than these he'll do because I go to the Father. So I think there's a, it's a wonderful replacement. That is for sure. So uh, I'm going to get back here in my other verse. Um, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. 
Now the question is, what's this person like? Well, very simply, he's like Jesus. <laughs> Accepting, he is a person. He's not a force. The Holy Spirit is not a force. He is a person. It's not an it. And it's interesting, in verse 16, he says this, he, uh, the helper that, uh, let me start again. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. I love the idea. He is absolutely committed to you. As long as you're willing to be committed to him, it's, just, I will, it's a bit like Jesus saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, I'm going away. How can you say you're going away and yet you're never going to leave me? He says, because I'm going to come in a different form. I'm coming in the person of my Holy Spirit. And if I come and you receive him, I will never leave you. You can guarantee my presence with you. It's interesting in verse 17, it says, That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. The point, that thing we learn about him is the fact that he's invisible. We can't see him. Just like God. You can't see God, at least not while we're on earth. But he's invisible, but very real. In this room, there's all kinds of air. <laughs> Just can't see it. We know it exists. And it's interesting, the word spirit and air are very similar. Wind. You can't see the wind, but you know it's real because of the way it impacts the trees and what have you. Now, it says, it says interesting, it says in verse 17... The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, but it does because it does not see him or know him. But listen to this. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So when he comes, where does he come? He comes literally within our own bodies. He literally comes within us. Now, I think more specifically in our minds and in our hearts. But nonetheless, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your body. Your body is important. That's why it needs to be pure. It's where the Holy Spirit lives. I felt like as I was meditating on preparing this message, and it's interesting, Dave, that I was actually preparing this message for a for a ministry at the end of this month that I have. And so it wasn't hard for you when you called on Thursday to say, oh, sure, I got something I'm working on. So I guess this is a trial run for the other church. <laughs> so we can say it that way. So the question is, what do we learn from Jesus about how to connect with this invisible counselor? And he's not, he's not like a human counselor. And uh, quite honestly, I am still working this through my life. I think for the rest of my life, I'll be trying to understand the Holy Spirit and how he really works. And how does he and I really work together? I must admit, I think I'm just scratching the surface of really understanding that. Um, but I believe the Holy Spirit talks in my thoughts. And, and sometimes by promptings and impressions. But he's very real. I can hear my wife in my thoughts sometimes too. She's very real, if you understand. Things that she said and other people. And so it is Jesus inside of me talking. So I want to give you three points to say, well, how do I interact with this counselor? Well, number one, what's important to understand that you must qualify to receive him. And the question really everyone needs to ask, are you qualified? 
Verse 15 says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then it goes on into verse 16 with an and. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, another counselor, that he may be with you forever. So in that you say, well, is there any prerequisites? I want to make something very clear is that the Holy Spirit's a gift. Nobody earns him. Again, I love to use the illustration of marriage. I like to think of my wife as a gift from God to me. I didn't earn her. I did try to win her. There were certain criteria that was necessary, I think. Conditions. And there's certainly conditions that are necessary for a relationship to take place. And Jesus said, do you really want, the, you want my Holy Spirit to come? Here's the requisite. Number one, you must love Jesus. That's the logic. One of the requisites of me marrying Kathy was the fact I loved her. And I still do. And I think she still loves me, which is good news. <laughs> do we get an amen down there? <laughs> so, so Jesus loves us. We know that. Do we love him? And he said, well, how do, you know if, how do I know if I love him? And he says, if you keep my commandments. What does that mean? You make an effort to learn what the commands are and then to do them as best as he empowers you to do. You're, you're all about that. That's a condition. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will send you another helper that he may be with you forever. It's interesting. When Peter was preaching on his first sermon, not bad, Preaching to 3,000 people in the first sermon. I've preached to 3,000 people one time. It scared me half to death. <laughs> but he on his first sermon preaches. And, uh, and it's interesting, his sermon, if it's just timed, if it's just read exactly, it's only seven minutes long. Uh, my sermon's way longer than that. Uh, but he, and the thing interesting about Peter, every time you see him preaching in the book of Acts, he never gets to finish his sermon. Everybody starts interrupting. Okay, what do we do? Well, the Holy Spirit fell in Cornelius' case and filled everybody. And they all began to speak in tongues and prophesy and so forth. On this occasion in Acts chapter 2, the people stopped him and said, Okay, what do we do? What do we do? And he said this. He said, repent. That means to change your mind. Change the way you think and the way you view things. Particularly about Jesus. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And listen to this last phrase. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I really believe that when we receive Jesus, we have no clue, not only what we receive in terms of the afterlife, eternal life, but what we've received on the earth as well. I don't think we have any idea. We, you know, I think, to, again, going back to marriage, I don't think I fully appreciate Kathy to the degree that God wants me to do. And the longer we're together, I, I realize that's growing. We grow in our love for one another. And I think the same is true with regard to Jesus. I feel like even now, even though I've been a Christian since I was 10 years old, you know, over 60 years now, I don't think I've even scratched the surface of what it really means to, to know him and to be filled with his love. And, and I believe that's what this is all about the Holy Spirit is Jesus coming and living inside of me. Number two, what's very important if you get with a counselor, and particularly the Spirit of uh, God, the Holy Spirit, 
It's so important that you be willing to be honest. The second principle, you must be willing to be honest. First, you must be qualified. Number two, you've got to be honest. Honest particularly with yourself. You look at verse 17. He says, let me start with verse 16. I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another helper that he may be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. But notice the title there. The spirit of truth. When you sit down and you want to have a relationship, the Holy Spirit knows everything about you anyway. He doesn't need you to tell him anything. He knows it. But he needs you to tell him the truth so you know it, so I know it. Decisions. The Lord never expects his disciples to be perfect, but he does expect them to be honest. And this is true with our relationship, isn't it? You want people at least to be honest with you so we can trust them. And that's certainly true of the Holy Spirit. There's no sense trying to meet up with the counselor if you're not willing to be totally honest with him and yourself in prayer. And that's true if you went to a human counselor. There's no value to the counselor if you're not going to tell him the truth and say, let me tell you what's going on with my life. So I, I think that's so very important. Perhaps the greatest deception we as human beings battle with is self-deception. We lie to ourselves. We, we don't always, we're not always honest about our own sin, about what is sin. And yet we're convicted, but we sort of push those thoughts aside. And we've got to come to the place where, well, 1 John chapter 5, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10 is pretty interesting. It says, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you that God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. Like he sees everything. And if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, and you say, what defines a person walking in darkness? It means they have the inability to make right decisions. They don't know where they're going. They don't have a sense of purpose or direction. Well, if you're that way, if you walk in the darkness, he's a liar and the truth is not in him. The truth will always give us direction. And it goes on, he says, if, if anyone says he's not sinned, he's a liar. And the truth is not in him. But he says, if we confess our sins, if we admit, if we're open with our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. If we say, we've never sinned. I'm a I'm, I'm pretty good guy. I've not sinned. Well, you make God out to be a liar. <laughs> Confession means agree with God. And he said, you're a sinner. He says that about all of us in this room. We're all sinners. There's no one that's got the place. We're saved. Glory to God. But we need to be honest. What are some things we need to work on that God wants to work on in us? We need to tell the truth. Let's be honest. And this is as disciples, we have to grow. We have to be honest with each other and most especially with ourselves. And then, of course, importantly, with the counselor. The third thing is the most important is that you must allow the counselor to be your teacher. And if you go to verse, same chapter, chapter 14, verse 25 and 26 says these things I've spoken to you while abiding with you now I just want to stop there for a moment these things I've spoken to you God has given us two amazing gifts number one is the Word of God 66 books in the Bible all of this in a sense Jesus says specifically these things I've said to you but when you think about the things that Jesus said really we can include the whole Bible because he is the word of God. So we have the Bible. The other thing we have is we have a tutor, the Holy Spirit. The two greatest gifts, you have 
the Word of God, and you have the Holy Spirit. We have the gift of salvation, meaning the gift of eternal life, but we have some wonderful gifts right here on the earth, the Holy Scriptures and the Holy Spirit. And it says here, listen to verse 26, but the helper or the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you. Listen to this, all things. That's an amazing statement. He will teach you all things. And then after he's taught them, he will bring them to your remembrance. Guess what? We always have exams, don't we? We have tests that come along. And I, uh, we, I teach a little bit at Friends University and... Uh, and boy, do the students wish they could have all things brought to their minds with those, those tests. And, uh, but we, we have tests in life. And the tests come to reveal whether we are following the word of God or not, where we fall short. And, uh, but the interesting thing, if you're going to allow the counselor to teach you, this is not something you do on the run. I require my students, when I have a class, they need to show up. And the ones who don't show up don't do well when the tests come. It's amazing at the end of the semester, they're begging me for change their grade. I says, what do you expect? <laughs> if you want to learn, you have to make an appointment. You have to show up to class. And uh, my father, who is a pastor, did me a great favor when I was 10 years old and said, after you've been baptized, I need to show you how to have a quiet time. And what he trained me to do is to meet every single day with Jesus, generally in the morning. And he gave me a notebook, gave me the scriptures, and he gave me a program. And I know you've got a program here, Dave, where you're read, reading through the Bible in a year. Is that the program you've got here? So to find a program that works for you, I use a little different program. It's just simply reading one chapter a day. I start with Genesis and work my way through to Revelation. <laughs> when I'm finished, three and a half years, I do it again. But in that chapter every day, I believe that the teacher is going to teach me something that I need to learn. I'm in right now, Kathy and I are, and I think Mark is studying the Song of Solomon. So we read chapter 5 today, and we believe that in chapter 5, I believe the Lord is teaching me right now. The Holy Spirit's got me in a class about marriage. Wouldn't you know it? Song of Solomon's all about romantic love. So I'm learning how to love Kathy, some things that I've never seen before. And I expect to sit down with my tutor every day and listen to him. I, we, we work together, just choose at least one verse and write that down and believe the Holy Spirit's going to give you some insights from those verses in that chapter that's going to make a change in your life today. See, if you approach the Word of God that way with the person of the Holy Spirit, you will never be disappointed. And I can honestly say by God's grace that I never leave a devotional time every day where I am not blessed with some words from the Holy Spirit teaching me something I've never thought about before. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, going deep within to the vision of bones and marrow and of spirit and soul. That's pretty deep. And the Holy Spirit is able to give me, if I can say it this way, revelation. Show me things that have been hidden from me before. The disciple is first a learner before anything else. Not just a churchgoer, not a preacher. Dave and I, we've been preaching for years, but how do we preach? We learners. I am still a learner. I feel like just a baby learner sometimes. 
and the massive wonder of God's knowledge. And it requires one-on-one time. You've got to make time. And I like to think of it as being like a meal. <laughs> I may not, I may miss breakfast. That's all right. First opportunity I get, I'm going to take time to sit down with my counselor and learn from him. Now the question is, is did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I believe there's many, many believers, possibly disciples, true disciples, that have never really understood, well, how do I interact with this Holy Spirit, this counselor? And, uh, and don't always know how to receive him. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, very simply, ask for him to come. Fill you. Teach me. You know, pray. And he's going to answer that. The promise is there. But the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will never impose himself inside of you or over you unless we want that kind of oversight. Same thing is true of marriage. What's marriage? Submission one to another. Where I'm willing to submit to whatever he wants to say to me. But I need to give him time to do that. Because he says, listen to this. He says, he will teach you the help of the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send you. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Now the question is, I just wrap this up. I want to say it simply. How do you know if the Holy Spirit's in a person that claims to be a disciple and follower of Christ? Three things. Number one, they are naturally loving especially of other disciples. Could I suggest the fact that some of the hardest people to love are other Christians? Sometimes it's easy to love your neighbor than just to love other Christians that you interact with a lot. Jesus said, this is my commandment. I give you a new commandment, John 13, that you love one another as I have loved you. Did you know that particular command of Jesus, and there's over 125 specific commands Jesus has given, did you know that one command is repeated three times in John 13, 14, and 15? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. The love commands of Jesus is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, love your neighbor as yourself. And then the third one is love one another. And he said, how do I love my Christian brother and sister? He says, you love them the same way I loved you, the same way Jesus loves us. The second thing is they have joy. He says, these things, John 15, 11 says, these things I've written to you that you might have my joy within you and that your joy would be full. I personally believe that joy is a choice. Rejoice. We, in whatever place we are, we choose to be happy. We choose to let the joy of the Lord flow through us. We are Pleasant people, <laughs> happy people by God's grace. And I believe it's a choice. I can choose to be grumpy or I can choose to be glad. It's really a choice. And in, in our jobs, wherever we go, we usually are very pleasant to people. That's just acceptable. That's one thing I love about America. You're, you're friendly folks. And I think that's the way we should be. But it's, not, it's a natural joy. It's not a put on thing. It's something that's just who we are. It's who the Holy Spirit is within us. He fills us with joy. The third thing is they have peace. John 14, 27, the next verse says, My peace I leave with you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. My peace. Now, if you notice in Galatians 5, verse 22, is the, the nine gifts or the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The first three is love, joy, peace. 
Now it goes on to the others as well. These are the fruits of someone who has the Holy Spirit living within you, produces those three things. So that's just a little insight into how to spend time with Jesus inside of you in the terms of his, the counselor. I like to think of him as the counselor who's with us 24 hours a day. He loves us, he cares about us, and is available to us as long as we want him to. And uh, I just leave you with those thoughts. I'd like to just pray as we close now. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And I realize that as I share these thoughts, they're just barely just scratching the surface of the depth of your great love and provision of this wonderful counsel of the Holy Spirit that you've given us. My prayer is for everybody uh, listening, whether in the room or otherwise, that you would encourage us all to embrace this counselor, to take more advantage of his presence and of his wisdom. Lord, it's your wisdom, your love, your peace, your joy. And we just ask these things now in the holy and the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Philip. Great word. Thank you. Now go in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the Lord forever. Amen. Amen.